our actions are fueled by the belief that we can always do it or deal with it tomorrow. And that just fundamentally isn't true because the fact of the matter is there may not be a tomorrow, which really suggests we should act differently today. Welcome to Insert Human. This is a show that is not for everyone. It's for seekers, people like you, hopefully, who are searching for solutions to your problems, the world's problems, and everything in between. The conversations to come are going to show you how finding the truth of our humanity is the magic key to solving pretty much anything. Between my monologues, my dialogues with brilliant guests, and your good questions, you're going to learn how to insert human into everything, and in doing so, realize a better life and one day a better world. So I have a sad situation in my life. My 91-year-old mother is not doing well and suffers from pretty severe dementia. It is likely that she may be leaving this earth in the not-too-distant future, probably months, certainly not years. Sad, sad time, and one that prompted my sister to ask me to put together my mother's obituary which I began working on last night, a difficult task for sure. But in putting that obituary together, I started thinking about the idea of our lives being defined by time. And that prompted the creation of this piece, which I call the essential context of time. And it goes something like this. All we have is time. I know, I know, I know it's a heady proposition but I think it might actually be true. You think about it with me for a second. Time defines our existence. It provides the bookends for pretty much everything we do. And the funny thing about time is that its context is both finite and infinite. As humans, it offers us an explicit and unimpeachable beginning and end. We are born, we live, and we die. That's pretty much it. As a universe, however, a vast collection of animate and inanimate objects, time is infinite. Even if there was a beginning, and there might be a big bang end, it won't really be an end. The energy left behind will become something else, and the end will become a beginning. As we tend to ignore the infinite and unfathomable nature of the universe and our own infinitesimal role in it, we also ignore the finite truth of our own existence. And therein, I believe, lies a problem and maybe an opportunity. We approach our daily lives as if we will live forever. And in that infinite view of what is decidedly finite, we tend to make the wrong choices or worse, no choices at all. Our actions are fueled by the belief that we can always do it or deal with it tomorrow, and that just fundamentally isn't true. Because the fact of the matter is there may not be a tomorrow, which really suggests we should act differently today. In my book, This Is It, I explored the topic of finite time and how it should impact our choices. I'll share a brief excerpt right now. You know that expression, life is too short? Well, this cutting-edge philosopher and statesman from around 20 AD named Lucius Seneca the Younger penned a compelling treatise suggesting it wasn't an issue of length, but rather of the choices we make along the way that determines a sufficient and worthy life. Lucius opined, it is not that we have a short space of time, but that we waste much of it. 
Life is long enough, and it has been given in sufficiently generous measure to allow the accomplishment of the very greatest things, if the whole of it is well invested. Get it? Well invested means making the right choices, which arguably would be made better if we all recognized that our time was finite, that our days on this earth were numbered, which in fact, they are. Imagine for a second, more time context, that there was a flashing red LED display in your kitchen or my kitchen that was a countdown of how many hours we have left on earth. Wouldn't it change our time management approach? Wouldn't it make us think twice about the investments we were making or not making, about how we were frittering away our precious life or perhaps avoiding taking the risk to get what we really want? The consequences are huge, and yet we all have a hard time seeing them because we have a hard time embracing the essential context of time. In her book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, ex-hospice nurse and now author Bonnie Ware consolidated years of listening to the about-to-be-departed and summarized their final thoughts or regrets down to these five. Number one, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Just sit with that for a second. I'm going to say it again. Number one, the number one regret of the dining. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Number four, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And number five, I wish that I had let myself be happier. Interesting, right? And particularly interesting when you look at those regrets through the context of time. I'm pretty sure that if we all embraced our time as finite, our end as sort of near, we'd find an infinite pool of courage. We'd walk away from work that did not honor or nurture us. We'd start telling the truth about how we feel, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'd reach out to friends and maybe even tell them that we love them. We'd wake up every living day and be thankful that we were still alive. And we'd be excited about what we were going to do with our finite minutes, hours, and days ahead. Fundamentally, we'd look at every action through the lens of this basic question. Is this expenditure of my time worth the loss of my time? My bet is that we'd start making very different investment decisions. My guess is that we'd stop looking at our phones 85 times a day, according to one recent study. We might start making more intentional plans on how we're going to use our time. What are you going to do this weekend? And we might stop giving others our time without seeking something in return. And we might decide to make the most radical investment of all. We might decide to do nothing with our time in order to do something meaningful with our time. By that, I mean we might invest more of our time in just being, sitting with our thoughts, contemplating our past, our present, and future, and planning how we're going to use the rest of our time on Earth to make the most of our time. The challenge with all this, as logical as it is, is that we really don't believe it. Or better said, our primal beings won't let us accept it. We are hardwired to survive. And in that wiring comes a capacity to delude ourselves in order to avoid what we perceive as undue risk-taking and ensure that our Maslow codified basic needs are met. The rationale for living as if our time is finite is overwhelmed by our reptilian brain and its slithering need to simply exist. 
The result are the five regrets and underfunded 401ks and chronic health conditions, a litany of unintended and not so good consequences that are largely derived from our inability to embrace the simple truth that we are not immortal and that this show is going to end and maybe soon. Ironically, it appears as if death is the only antidote to all of this. The problem, of course, is that our death is, well, the end of our time. So even when we finally get it, we have no time left to do anything about it other than feel regret. But the death of loved ones can serve as a shock treatment of sorts, an all too stark reminder that time is finite and prompt an inner questioning of why we are wasting ours. Sadly, but truly, too many of us need the death of another to value the life and the time that we have. We need a calamity to force clarity. We need tears to motivate us to seek more joy. We need the discomfort of it all to value what we have in the here and now. For some reason, loss motivates an appreciation of living and a desire to live it with more gusto, to take more risks, to make better choices that align with who we really are and how we really want to be. For a few days and maybe even weeks after the phone call or the funeral, we get it and then we lose it. The clarity fades, the motivation to live our lives differently dissipates, and then we fall back to abusing our time, underusing our time, living in the la-la land where we think our time is infinite until the next loss or until we wake up on our deathbed surrounded by pillows of regret. It does not have to be this way. Yes, our time is finite. That is a fact but how we choose to invest it is well, an infinite choice. We can choose to embrace the essential context of time as good news, not as bad, as motivation, not as threat, and as an omnipresent friend, not a lurking enemy. As Seneca shared, it is not about how much time we have, it's about how we choose to invest it. That may be the only choice that really matters in the end, in the end of time, that is. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening today. If you're in search of more opportunities to realize positive change in your life or work, and you find what I have to say helpful, you can always subscribe to my show, check out one of my new salons that are weekly virtual gatherings of like-minded folks. You can read some of my writings or just listen to one of the talks that I've given around the world over the last couple of years. And you can do it all at chriscolbert.com. While you're there, make sure to sign up for my ongoing email updates. When you do, you'll receive a free copy of the first chapter of my about-to-be-published book, Technology is Dead. Again, it's all available at chriscolbert.com. Thanks again for listening today, and I look forward to connecting more in the days ahead.